0: Hey, Jeff Fuller back with you. Thank you so much for making the time to tune in and listen. You can also uh, like and share on Facebook, Jay Fuller Interviews. Also on YouTube, Jay Fuller Interviews. Copy and paste, share this interview and others with others because I believe people's stories will make our stories better if we simply take the time, make the time, listen, unlearn what we thought was right to relearn what is right. And uh, one with a tremendous story is Mr. Micah Ortega. Micah, welcome in. Howdy. How you doing? I'm doing well, and so you are of Five Iron Frenzy fame, and before we get to that, I just wanted to share that your cousin, Leonore Till, uh, was a guest on the program, and she was a lot of fun to get to know. Five Iron Frenzy, uh, interest of full disclosure, I grew up playing basketball, so I was listening to hip-hop and rap, because I thought that's what the cool thing was to do, and then probably 90, 90... 293, right around that time, uh, I went to Bible college. My friend said, You have to listen to this music. And so ska entered my life and it was just a mm-hmm. ton of fun. For you, was music always a big part of your life?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, ever since I was so my folks tell me stories about when. Uh, like like uh, the windshield wipers would be on, and I, I as a you know two two three year old, I'd be grooving along with the windshield wipers. Or my dad was out in the, in the in the the garage, you know, sawing wood or whatever, and I was finding the rhythm in that and stuff. And then spent so many so many hours just listening to music. And my folks had this. I think most folks in the '80s had um, it was a it was a it was a record called a Hooked on Hooked on Classics which was like basically classical music put to like a disco beat that they would do jazzercise to. And so I had, you know, early introduction to a uh, bastardized version of classical music. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, and so I assume uh, he was your grandfather as well, but Leonor mentioned that her grandfather uh, played music. Was that just your family history that you carried it on or who introduced you to that love of music or that thought of music, just your parents or someone else?
1: I mean the whole family is pretty musical like to some degree or another whether it's you know singers uh and, and actually me and we me and Leonor we call each other cousins but technically technically we're second cousins so her grandpa and my grandpa are brothers okay so uh his her grandpa i think played the sax and then uh, my grandpa played uh, played like the the keyboard and guitar as well i mean the whole family's all across the board plays music and it's just i think when it's when it's like that it's just you know built into you so i remember uh sneaking into my dad's uh uh closet and getting his acoustic guitar out and trying to learn how to play it you know at four years old
0: that's awesome uh yeah, yeah my mom my mom plays the accordion my parents have all sung in church and are relatively musical for me being adopted i said that you know it skipped that gene or that generation but uh right there's just something about it michael ortega part of five iron frenzy you guys just came out with a new album until the shakes apart talk to me about what that was like getting back together when you first heard of the possibility were you excited about it or were you kind of dreading that thought
1: uh no i, I was excited it's you know started as a seed of, of like hey let's record one or one to three songs and then um and then uh, it just kept on going. We were like, "Well, we could probably do five, you know." And yeah, but why not do seven? Just do an EP, and then you know, more and more came out, and and uh, it was you know, it was cool. Like like, it's nice to have enough music to, to pick from and, and choose what you want to throw on a record and what you want to not throw on the record, you know, as well. So,
0: and so when I was in Bible college, maybe I just graduated ninety seven or ninety eight. Uh, I went to Cornerstone. Uh, the music festival saw you guys there and uh, it was right after reese had a pretty bad breakup and i kind of snuck on the bus after the show or the following day and got to speak with him a little bit and i just thought that was kind of a cool opportunity but i understand that was kind of a difficult summer for you guys when you think about being in a band that kind of made it at least within that christian terminology first of all what was that experience like to have such highs but like that summer to have lows as well
1: uh I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think it's uh, it's, it's the, the the answer is kind of contained within the question. I mean it yeah and and it and being that you know we've only lived our own lives, it's hard to compare it to anything else, you know, so definitely was uh a cool summer, and i I know Leonore's experience uh that summer was like she was super like you know, cloud nine and stuff, and a lot of us a lot of us, uh, of us other uh, band members were. Going through something totally different emotionally, you know, Reese with the the breakup of of uh, a relationship there, and um, it was just weird. Yeah, we we had been on the road um a lot at that point, and and uh, I think we were all sort of missing home and and feeling like we were part of the machine a little bit, you know, so.
0: So I think when I look at high schoolers, and I have the uh, opportunity to coach a little bit, but sometimes kids think it would be awesome to be a professional, to get paid to whether play a sport or to travel like you did. When that opportunity became a reality, how old were you?
1: Uh, I guess I was probably 19. Yeah, so I uh, so just of just, just high school.
0: What, what advice would you tell your 19-year-old self of what to expect about that time
1: um i think i would i would say expect to have a lot of downtime and use the time wisely like (laughs) learn as learn as much as you can with all that downtime because you're gonna have a lot of it and filling time on the road is one of the hardest things to do without you know losing your mind a little bit so
0: And then especially for you guys, Five Iron Frenzy, eight person band. How many times I know for myself, or at least for some of us, um, we said if you get in a fight with your guy friends, you just punch each other. And then in a day, it's over and it's done with. But I've heard that sometimes it's a little bit different as well. With that eight person band, did you have those confrontations? How did you handle conflict, especially being on the road together?
1: I mean, everybody handles conflict differently. Like typically I'm, I'm, I try to be a peace, peacemaker, you know, and and uh, having been like a middle a middle child, there was always the conflict between my older uh, sibling and my younger sibling, and I, I would sort of play the the um, uh, I guess advocate for both, you know, and uh, and I f- kind of feel like that sort of carried over into the the band as well. Um, some some people uh, in the band, you know, I mean, sometimes fight fights would not often, but sometimes they'd go to blows, you know. And uh, that's just, I guess, part of part of, you know, being a young 20 something, you know, on the road and you get to know everybody's breaking point and you try to just keep it right, <laughs> right. Just past that, you know.
0: <laughs> so, again, Michael Ortega, Five Iron Frenzy, Five dot com on Twitter. It's at Micah Ortega. Micah. So tell me the story about with Leonor, your cousin, but the only female in the group, was that your idea? Or when somebody suggested that, what were your thoughts about adding your cousin to the mix?
1: Uh, I think she told me that she played saxophone. We, we you know, we, we went to church game together and that's where I, I first met her. Like, you know, our, the Ortega family is pretty big and stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I had no idea that we were related when we first met. And, and, uh, she told me that, uh, I think she knew that we were related, which I thought was really bizarre. And uh, and she told me that she played saxophone and and I I told her about the metal band that I was in with Reese and Keith and my brother. And and then uh, when we started moving towards the ska direction and we were like trying to fill out our, you know, a roster of horn players, uh, she came up in conversation because I had talked to her about it had never heard her play before. And uh, we're like, well, why not? You know, she's family, so.
0: That's awesome. With having so many members, was it because you all were friends, so you didn't want to leave anyone out, or was it something that you just felt like you needed to be that large to really accomplish the style of music you wanted to put out?
1: I don't I honestly don't know. Like, like, uh, I mean, I mean, coming from the like the metal background, two guitar players is is sort of almost a standard, you know. And uh, I think you can get get away with one guitar player pretty easily in ska. Um, as far as the three horn section, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why, like other than, I I mean, I honestly don't know why, like the last person to join the band was Dennis, who's probably the best, one of the best musicians out of all of us, uh, you know, but he definitely tightened up the whole horn section, which was great.
0: Mike, if you would, share with me a little bit about the church camp uh, aspect. Uh, Most of the listeners know that full-time I'm a pastor, and I do this on the side because I love meeting people, and I think it's a ton of fun to uh, hear other people's stories. But going to church camp, I imagine their music was not the same as the metal band you were a part of. Did you just kind of nod off, or were you saying, man, if you guys would just let us get involved, we could really get this place into worshiping, not just playing a, a show or something?
1: Um, I th- um, a couple of things, like like I started learning actually how to play guitar. My youth pastor, it was the one who who sort of donated his guitar to me for a little bit until I got my own, and was teaching me, you know, cording and all that stuff. And, and then I was picking it up pretty fast, and so I, I eventually just started at 12 years old. Joined the the youth band, wow. who was it was also you know part of the um, uh, we, we we were the, the the church camp band as well many, many years, you know? So I was, I was always sort of on stage from 12 years old, you know? Um, and so the idea of, of um, wanting to change things, like I, I always tried to like, I mean, looking back, I was trying to meddle out everything. I, I'd still kind of do that to, to this day, but um, to a sure. fault really. Um, but I think that as I grew in my, um, worship experience I realized that what I wanted to do on stage and what um not that you can't worship to the stuff that we put out but it's not worship music you know like sure. yeah so like in into this day I I don't play in, in worship um bands or because I don't want to be the focus of attention where yes. I should not be there you know right right I so. think that's
0: really wise and good oh certainly. Um When you think about modern worship now, that's what I'll call it, taking place in churches all over, you know, the country, if not world. Do you think they've lost sight of what it takes to lead worship, and they want to do a little bit more performance? Some of the things that you have been cautious about for yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. I don't think they have bad intentions, you know, of course, but I think that that there's a romanticized version of. Being on stage with a lot of production, you know, the lights and the sound system, you know, a flawless, almost studio-like mix, and like you, you, I think you you can start focusing on those production details so much that the 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 spirit of it's lost, you know. Or, I mean,
0: yeah. Where did that maturity come from? Is that something your parents instilled in you? Something that you watched somebody yell to, whether good or bad, that you just felt like you wanted to go this direction
1: as far as the the worship the worship way
0: yeah as far as saying that you would prefer not being in a quote worship band because what you would do what you're good at is more of the performance the the fun the five iron frenzy type stuff
1: yeah yeah it's not so much that i don't want to don't want to be in a worship band i just don't want to put myself in a situation where i become the focus you know in, in a weird way um i think that that uh I, I, I got, I guess, the the heart of, of how worship should be based off of we used to have Wednesday night youth group sessions, and uh, the production for that was one lamp in the middle of a room and no chairs, right. and right. and it was one acoustic guitar and just us singing our hearts out, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like uh, there was nothing production about it. Like, my day job right now is, is live production, and it's the exact opposite of that. It is is absolutely seeking after God to his presence to show up in that room with you, you know, creating an atmosphere to invite him in, which I think is something that we've gotten away from, it seems like, you know, and, and, and I'd love to see a return to that. I think the church would benefit greatly
0: by doing that. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. Um, I was also made aware that you have a younger sister, I believe, and she was involved as you, are guys, are from uh, Colorado, the whole Columbine incident. When that took place, what grade was your sister in? She was a junior. And how old were you?
1: Let's see. I was probably 22 or so. I'm, I'm totally guessing.
0: I'd have to do the math. So I got my question in that is, do you remember getting the phone call that your sister's high school had gone through this tragedy?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. A friend, a friend of mine. Uh, so, so, rewinding a little bit, we, we grew up in in a suburb of, of Denver, which uh, traditionally, like at least in the mid '80s and '90s, had somewhat of like a gang issue, and uh, we we moved away from uh, Aurora to. Get me away from the gangs and stuff because I was sort of getting sucked into that whole world, which was a bummer. And uh, like, like you know, drive bys and stuff was pretty common stuff. So, anyways, we were out on tour, and a friend of mine from my old school called me and said, "Hey, there was a shooting. There's a shooting going on, or there's a shooting at 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 your sister's school." And I was like, "Okay, well, I guess it followed us to the suburbs, you know, like to to the, the nice, you know." Littleton or whatever, thinking it was you know another drive-by or whatever, and not realizing the, the extent of it. So, I uh, called my mom to find out what was going on. And she was frantic and just you know beside herself trying to trying to find where Amy was. And uh, yeah, it was a bummer. It was a, it was a it was a weird bummer bummer of a day, you know.
0: So, where were you at with your faith at that point?
1: I mean. I've been pr- pretty unshakable in my faith for you know my my life like I guess since I you know I think it was probably 10 or 11 when I first I guess said the prayer or whatever and so
0: Uh, Mike Ortega makes some time Five Iron Frenzy fame Uh, When you hear that, that you've been part of Five Iron Frenzy, when you see people wearing Your swag and talking about The different concerts that they've attended With you on stage and leading Do you have to pinch yourself or do you just Remember those days fondly And just look forward to kind of putting on shows Now or whatever the future might have
1: Uh, Honestly I think think having been on stage So early, you know, like at at, 12 years old I think that sort of prepared me in a way that mentally you know that it's just an extension of what i was like doing when doing when i was a kid it's just bigger crowds is all it is so i don't really think too much of it
0: do you, do you enjoy traveling now like this last year year and a half did you miss not being on the road just personally or is that something that you traveled so much that you're just kind of content not going as far or going on the, being on the road as often
1: yeah, you know, you know, like my, I told, I've told the, the band this, and like it's, I think I've said this in past interviews. My favorite time with the band, uh, out on the road, is is days off, like the time that we have off to like just chill and like be, you know, brothers together, you know, and sisters together, like that. That to me is the best. Like, um, I think I think the band is just an excuse to hang out with each other. And, it now I, that.
0: and I saw you in Boston, as I mentioned, and uh, the Northeast, there's it's, it's it's a unique place. So when you went to different parts of the country, were there stereotypes or prejudice that you knew you were going into? Or did you realize like those things aren't true or were some of the things in the different areas like, wow, that was very accurate, that stereotype or prejudice that I had heard about? Uh,
1: honestly, I was kind of disappointed. Like I was really hoping for more of a like like a regional dialect to be more pronounced, and it sort of has all. I mean, there's there's definitely pockets, you know, here and there that have its subtle subtleties and stuff. But I was really hoping for um, completely different food, completely different accents. You know, like uh, just a, a, a I guess a a mix of of you know, I mean, it, like historically, America's had a lot of different, you know, cultural differences and stuff. And I was hoping to see more of that. And
0: instead, it was more like
1: very uh, evening news inspired, you know, <laughs> dialect. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, Micah. so a question for you and uh, yeah. your latest album, Five Iron Frenzy, Until This Shakes Apart. When I first listened to your music, Ska, but specifically Five R and Frenzy, it was fun. It was up tempo. It was just enjoyable. But then you got listening more t- to the lyrics. And seriously, and I'm not blowing smoke, you guys were deep. There was a message. There's something that you wanted to advocate for. Where did that come from? Or did you know from the start you really wanted a message to be heard and shared in your fashion?
1: I mean, I, I think that, that, uh, know growing up in the church you sort of see a disconnect of uh between you know what is taught from the pulpit and 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 then the christian culture which you know you're supposed to basically seem kind of perfect and stuff and so we very much embrace our flaws and uh put those out there as well as you know look at the flaws of of the church that we we come from you know Yeah, yeah and and uh I guess try to uh, present a, a different way of, of doing church. So
0: you mentioned that you were nineteen. Do you see other nineteen or early 20 year olds getting involved in music or the Christian music scene like you were? Do you wish they were? Do you think there's other avenues for Christians to get involved in their twenties now?
1: Yeah, I think I think that uh, I think what I what I would like to see is is it Christians playing and making music and it being less of a marketing tool and more of just that dude just happens to be a Christian. He puts, he puts, he puts out some great music and it's, it's honest and it, it brings me closer to God or it, it lets me understand the struggles that he deals with or she deals with on a day-to-day basis as, a, you know, as a Christian. And, and it doesn't, to me, it shouldn't necessarily always have like the, the Saturday morning cartoon, moral of the story, you know, at the end or whatever, right. Right. That, that gets to be a little, a little like talking down to you a little bit. And I think it it pushes out the humanity of our experience, you know? And I don't know. I think that, I think that, that God came to, you know, save us humans. And, and, and I think we, I think, I think we end up trying to be something other than human.
0: Well, I, um, I feel, I believe that God uses and God loves the broken and we all are broken. And, uh, Leonor shared how her uh, brother tragically uh, died in a car accident. How well did you know her brother when that happened? How devastating was that for you as a family, as a whole, but also as a band?
1: Uh, I mean, it was, it was rough. Like I, like I, uh, I didn't, I wasn't super tight with Carlos, um, uh, I mean, he he would show up to shows and sometimes you know band practice and stuff. But uh, I, you know, I, like I was saying before, like our our family is pretty pretty big as far as you know the the amount of people, and um, so I, I just knew her knew him through her, and uh, of course we, we she found out the news you know when we were on the road, um, and yeah, so we jumped on the plane. You know, I wanted to be there for her. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was tough.
0: Micah, how has your faith really grown over the last years when you were not part of five iron friends or when, you know, the band took a break from uh, being together? How have you grown?
1: I feel like, I feel like I, I've, I've kind of viewed my, honestly, where I work <laughs> has a, has a high enough turnover that I come in contact and work shoulder to shoulder with people for, you know, two, three years at a time. And I feel like I can, I can be the Jesus that they might not know. Um, that's, the, that's my hope. And I feel like yeah. where I work is, is my mission field, so to speak. And honestly, that's the only reason I can think of that God would have me there for as long as he has, you know, is like, I'm, 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 I'm very much a homebody. So I think that, pushes me out into the world so to you know so to speak yeah so
0: and i think that that point is like for me is like the whole interview that you don't have to be famous or in a band or travel around the country or world but you can just be used of god wherever you are uh for yourself when you think about those that want to be like you i asked Leonor, i said um when did you know you were famous and she said she was trick-or-treating or something and there was a girl dressed up like her. So mm-hmm. for you, when did you realize that there was a greater responsibility on you as a Christian being a part of a Christian band when you had kids and youth pastors and people playing your music and pointing to you as examples of followers of Jesus?
1: I mean, I think it goes back to being in the church band. Like like, like there there is a, a certain amount of you know, like I'm on stage, I'm representing Jesus, you know, and, and I, as a new believer, I'm like, I don't really know exactly how this is supposed to work, but I, f- I feel like <laughs> there's certain things I should and shouldn't do and should and shouldn't say. And sometimes out of not knowing what to say, I would just be quiet about, you know, and just observe. So I, I did a lot of observing. I still do a lot of observing, but um so, there's a, a definitely accountability there.
0: So this brings me back, and I know I've gone back a couple times now, but being a part of a youth band, sometimes local churches say, "When a student is old enough, or talented enough, or we feel as though that they are responsible enough, we can include them." How important is that? That churches look at students differently and get them more involved at an earlier age.
1: I think it's super important. Like I like to me, that's that's like even beyond church. I think that you need to. We all need to look at these young kids growing up and start looking for their strengths and their weaknesses and playing them hopefully towards their strengths to become you know better what they do and and encourage them in in you know who they will become like i think that's super important and i think that you can start doing that if you know four or five years old
0: yeah i really think there's a um a responsibility we have to allow students to see God use them and experience God using them in that way. Uh, ortega.mica on Instagram, Micah Ortega, Five Arm Frenzy, uh, joining us. What do you think about social media? Do you wish you had social media when you guys had your first run? Or are you glad that uh, it was not as popular or as available?
1: Um, I don't know. Like, like For me, it's, for me social media is a place that i can go and like i I'm, I'm definitely better um, i think better written word than i am spoken word like I, I like to chew on chew on my chew on my thoughts and and not stutter so much you know trying to come up with a, a coherent thought you know um, so I, in that respect i think it would be would have been cool to have social media back you know when we first started out but at the same time there was viral you know, ways of spreading information that was, I mean, that that just happens regardless of the tool that's used, you know, so,
0: yeah. Uh, When I'm looking at this, I apologize. Uh, Some of my notes just was reminded about when you write a song, if somebody wrote a song and they offered it to the table, did all eight members of the band look at that and say, hey, we can use this or cut this out? Was there give and take? What what was a hierarchy? Did Reese have final say as far as the songs that you wrote, but also included in the albums?
1: It really depended on, on the record it, itself. Like, um, like like current currently, and, and you know in the first like two or three records. Probably the most prolific songwriter in the band is Scott uh, Kerr, and and he, I mean he he just writes music all the time, you know, and. Uh, um, a lot of us write music on the side, but it's you know one one or two nuggets here and there. We throw it into the into the the heap and see see if it you know floats and you know, and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. You know, so um, as far as, as far as lyrics go, Reese is probably you know he's the primary lyricist of the band. Um, he's probably um, he's musical, but he has a different take on music that um, that is like not very common, I guess, like his approach to music. So his, his stuff comes out sounding very, very and There's no other way, I guess, to say it. And so we sort of have to take whatever he brings to the table and run it through the five iron machine, which is like Dennis who has, uh, um, you know, training, you know, from a, um, you know, college training in music and, and then, A lot of us you know also have like the the street punk rock kind of background and we'll run it through those gears to make it you know appeal to our fans and stuff so yeah at least we we hope you know
0: so early on you guys had either a a band pastor or chaplain how important was that for you to make sure you had somebody to help lead and guide you during those times
1: i think it was just i think it was good to have a like a person uh who had some years on us you know i mean we're we're a lot of us were you know right out of high school or still in college when we went out on the road and so there's a lot of things that you don't know us as, as as you know being that age so i think so having somebody who um you could come to and and and, and who would observe us you know sort of you know in the distance and then and, and approach us when he felt needed you know that that I think was important for us and, and
0: yeah. So the movie *Chairs of a fire. Uh, I think it was Eric little, right? I forget his name now, but he said, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God for you when you were on stage, when you were singing, performing, but you were doing it for God's glory. Is that when you kind of came out of your shell and you knew that's what you were created for, for that time of uh, traveling so much with five iron frenzy?
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, for, for me, like, I have, you know, a lot of intense uh, emotions and stuff. And and uh, a lot of these intense emotions just aren't um, socially... Uh, it'd be weird if I were to let them out, you know, like, in, in, yeah, in a conversation, yeah. you know? They're just intense. But, you know, like, I, you, you've seen, like, people uh, who are actors on stage, if you see them act on stage, it looks totally normal because they have to have that energy... You know protrude throughout the the whole amphitheater or whatever and but if you were to, to be right up on them you know like it's weird it's super weird and i think that that uh that is, is true for me where i have this intensity that i need to keep in check and and when i when i get on stage that's when i can let it loose you know
0: i i certainly agree with that and i uh, coach a little bit of basketball and i always tell my players that full-time i'm a pastor and it gets frowned upon if I'm yelling. So I can yell and encourage and that gives me that outlet. But uh, Micah, for you, being able to sing and have those vocals, um, was that something you were reluctant about and you just wanted to play music and not sing music? Or was that something you always knew you wanted to have part of your, your side of the band?
1: um as far as me singing are you, are you kind of focusing yeah, on the singing yeah. part
0: yeah i mean it's the singing part
1: like I, I like so the first four years of the band i didn't sing at all i mean i i would sing without a microphone so yeah. so i was you know, yelling at the top of my lungs in tune as much as i could and and you know when you're when you're a punk rock band touring a lot of times they cut costs on on um mo- like like monitoring you know like so so when a band plays sure. they have those monitors on stage and uh, I never had a monitor for the first four years. So I got used to hearing how my, I guess, uh, voice sounded through just uh, like skeletal vibrations and, and, and that sort of thing, yeah, like yeah, yeah. bone induction. And, uh, and then when Scott left the band uh, after the first four years, I, because I was a familiar face within the, the band uh, ecosystem, they, they, we all, I guess, decided that I should go to the front where he used to stand and then take over his vocal parts. So a lot of a lot of the um, it was sort of out of necessity that I that I ended up 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 there singing, you know, so.
0: So for you, what type of ear protection did you use on a night to night concert basis? Uh, Did you guys just let it go or did you really try to protect your ears in those earlier years?
1: No, we pretty much just let it go. Yeah, we should have we should have been. We should have been wearing ear protection a lot more. I mean, the, the the problem is, you know, when you're when you're when you're a kid like that, you don't know. I mean, you you definitely, you know, at, at, after the shows, you go to sleep with the ringing in the ear, which is just terrible. And and um, you know you're doing damage and stuff. But then you know the next night you're up on stage doing it again. And 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 uh, and then and then the other thing is, is is to know exactly what you need to hear out of the monitor, right. and um a lot of times you can become what I, what I would call a victim of the sound guy where sure. he kind of leads you to your own des- devices and you're asking for things you probably should be asking for and you're getting this mix cranked up louder and louder and louder. And, and at the point where you stop is when just 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 below feedback, you know, <laughs> and like you hear, hear the feedback and it's back it off touch. And <laughs> at that point, you know, then the next the next guy turns his wedge up that loud because he's trying to, you know, not be drawn out right. by your wedge and it's like this – that spirals out of control there's smarter ways to do band than that and you forget that like you forget or maybe we didn't know that you know like the initial thing about music is it should sound good it shouldn't just sound loud you know yeah so yeah
0: (laughs) hey so talk to me a little bit more about until this shakes apart it's the latest the newest album by five iron frenzy you guys took some time off came back together to do this and especially during COVID or at the tail end, you guys launched this album. Until this shakes apart, what song on there would you suggest a non-Christian, a non-believer, listen to or be exposed to?
1: Mm. I mean, the, the first one that we put out, like like we, as like a preview, we put it out on a, 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 a Ska a compilation called Ska Gets... Racism, which was a tour that we did like back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they put out the Sky Gets Racism compilation. And, and the song we put on there was uh, called, I'm terrible at names. Let's see. It was called, um, oh, man, I'm going to have to look it up. I have no idea. <laughs> it was called, uh, here's the album. last so that that and, and that seemed to be received pretty well by you know that 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 was not marketed to christian audiences yeah. and so i would i think that the way it was received was pretty pretty well that one or, or maybe renegades
0: sure
1: both Good. both are
0: yeah and uh i should have asked you off there i'll just ask you right now because when i asked like where should i buy this cd buy this album uh, I just went to Amazon. Is that where people should buy it? Is there a preferred place? Do you get more money royalties if they buy it from your website? Where should uh, buy people buy until this shakes apart?
1: Yeah, if you buy from the website, that's definitely the the, the highest
0: uh, profit margin for us there.
1: Um, so yeah, that 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 would be nice, you know. But uh, yeah. any, any any place works. And if you can't if you can't afford that, and you're listening to it on streaming, cool, you know, whatever.
0: <laughs> So, Mike, uh, over the last few years now, there have been people that I've looked up to as pastors, ministry leaders, that either have said that they're no longer Christians, that have chosen to at least by their profession, say they walked away from the faith. There's been Mm -hmm. many ministry leaders that have fallen, that it's come out that they haven't lived that integrity. When you hear those stories of friends or people you've looked up to that say they're no longer Christians, Does that motivate you to live more like Jesus, full of love and grace? Or does that just kind of disappoint and discourage you at the same time?
1: I think that and, and maybe, maybe this is I don't know, maybe, maybe this is false, but I feel like I feel like the people who are the loudest about their faith are the ones who are attacked most viciously by the enemy and are are put in positions of of uh putting compromising positions that would damage the view of of how uh if, you, if you're supposed to be representing jesus um i think that the the best the devil can do is make you look like an like an ass
0: you know yeah yeah yeah
1: so I, I think that i think that people who are in very prominent positions I have a hard time trusting you know uh, wh- where they're where they're coming from um, I, I, I want to have the benefit of the doubt you know, don't give them give them the benefit of the doubt right, right, right. but I'm like those dudes are under attack so much and yeah. you know I mean to pray for them is you know probably the best thing you could do
0: so two questions yeah. and we'll get you out this is Mike Ortega five iron frenzy.com five iron frenzy.com until this shakes apart. On Instagram, Micah on Twitter, at Micah Ortega. So the first question is simply, how do you stay strong in your faith? What's a spiritual discipline that you make sure you do not miss uh, each day or each week?
1: I don't know if I have – I mean, unfortunately, I'm probably the, the least disciplined person, you know, out there. You know, So to give examples of, of you know, advice or whatever – to how to be disciplined. I'm not the guy to ask, and I'm totally not. Like uh, like for me, what's what's helped me stay strong, honestly, is has been interactions with non-believers and, and just trying to always keep in the back of mind, you know, I'm, I'm a representative of Jesus, and I need to, you know, come at them with love, and, and if they have questions about, you know, they heard some crazy thing that some Christian did, what do you think about that? And if I can give insight into that, and defend the person who is crazy, or be like, yo, that is not Christ-like at all. Those guys were in the wrong, you know, and I guess, again, represent Jesus, you know, so that, that's great.
0: That, that, yeah, that that's a tremendous answer, and I wish more Christians would understand that re- that responsibility. Uh, hopefully a fun question for you, the final question we have for Mike Ortega, that's simply, if or when, maybe when the feature film comes out about your life and Five Iron Frenzy, <laughs> who plays you in that feature film?
1: Oh, man. I don't know.
0: And if you want to start with other band members, feel free. But uh, who plays you in that feature film?
1: Uh, it would be it. it was just based off of looks. Uh. Yeah.
0: So I always tell people for myself, if there's ever a feature film about my life and if it it could ever happen i would want dwayne the rock johnson to play me because we look so much alike yeah, yes identical yeah totally. <laughs> but, but what say you
1: uh for me probably uh and there would be no way you know of course but uh probably uh uh maybe maybe scott ian from the band anthrax okay awesome. uh i think that'd be pretty cool uh i could see reese being played by the dude from uh the, those uh American Pie movies that I can't remember the guy's name but I swear he's got the same mouth as Reese it's weird uh Leonor you know it'd be Quinn Stefani uh no doubt
0: um awesome I
1: don't know I don't know I'm I'm really I'm really bad with like (laughs) actors names I don't really follow a whole lot of actors so
0: oh it's good but Michael we thank you again for staying up late and uh being out in Colorado we just Uh, wish you all success five iron frenzy with this latest album until this shakes apart Uh, for you personally um and anyway i just feel like i should do this probably should do it off air but for you personally oh you
1: just froze i'm not hearing a thing are you back
0: mike are you still there
1: yeah i'm here
0: yeah i apologize about that Sorry? so i don't know what just happened with my internet